Let's get into God's word, shall we? Um, <clears throat> Pastor Tony, he, if he were here, he'd probably do a proper Mother's Day sermon. I, I'm probably not going to do that, so you just have to forgive me, moms, you know. It's not that I don't love you, I just kept seeking the Lord, and he, he just went a different direction, so okay, well, anyway, it, doesn't, it isn't that it doesn't apply to moms, you understand that, but it probably applies to, uh, to everybody, but we're going to start with a few scriptures that might fit better with Mother's Day. Are you in Ephesians chapter 6? Verse 2 says, honor your father and mother, is that good? See, Mother's Day, right? Uh, uh, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Do you see in that verse right there that God wants it to be well with you? Yeah. Do you understand that? You know, I, was, I grew up being taught in church and we sang a song and, and, and I'd, it, God bless the person who wrote it, but they didn't understand God or the, or the word of God, in my opinion, We'll just say that. But there was a song we sang all the time. And one of the lines in it was, Every joy or trial falleth from above. We were taught that all the bad things in your life, God brought them there for a purpose to teach you something, et cetera, et cetera. Anybody else grow up in, in a church like that? Yes, some of you did. So, you know, if you grew up around that, you're like, well, you know, is God good or is he maybe not so good or does he redefine good or how does that work? But you know what the Bible Verse 6, or chapter 6 of Ephesians 2. He wants it to be well with you. He didn't redefine the word well. He really wants it to be well with you. He wants things going good for you. One of the ways to get that to happen in your life is to honor your father, honor your father and your mother. And it says you'll live long on the earth. Telling you, telling you it's true. You know, it doesn't say anything about whether or not those parents earned or deserve the honor. Hello? There is no such thing as a perfect parent, and I know people who walk around with a chip on their shoulder because they didn't like the way they were parented. Well, uh, you may have a legitimate complaint. We probably all could come up with a legitimate complaint. I was, I was talking to my mom. I was reading her a short story that I had read for one of my classes when I was in college to give you an idea of how very, very long ago this was. But... Uh, but I was, I was reading this short story, and the short story, it was really, really well written. It was about a lady who was ironing, and while she was ironing, she was ironing out all of the grief and the mistakes she had made parenting and how sad she was for, for some of the things that she had chosen to do and how things had affected her children. And, and I, I'm reading this because it was so well written. I mean, you know, it didn't. It wasn't totally depressing. It probably sounds depressing. But I, I look up and my mother's just, the tears are just running down her face. She's just sobbing. I'm like, what is wrong? She goes, I made so many mistakes with you. I'm like, oh, mom. <laughs> really? You need to let that one go, mom. You know, we've had a good life. But, but you know what? We all feel like we've made a lot of mistakes. And so when, when, when God says something like, you know, honor your father and mother that it may be well with you, we're like, yeah, well, maybe some of us may be thinking, well, I don't really deserve that. It isn't about what you deserve. It isn't about what you deserve. It's about that relationship you have with God that he has established with you. Like I said during the offering, he, he has made a covenant with you and he has made a determination that he is going to bless you. And he will bless you as far as you let him bless you. I'm just going to tell you, it's absolutely true. So, you know, you don't have to be an expert parent, but we do all have the word, don't we? 
We have the Word of God, and if you look in the Word of God, it's almost funny after a while. Some of those parents did not do such a great job. You know, if you start thinking about, now I'm going to just kind of briefly run through some Old Testament stories. I'm not going to tell the story, so if you don't know them, don't worry about it. But, you know, like Rebecca's favoritism. Uh, how about Jacob's favoritism? Yeah, it's about the same. You remember Joseph and his coat that, yeah, he bought... He bought a nice fancy robe for one of his 12 sons. You know, great job, Dad. Um, yeah, no, yeah, this is not a good way to, to bring peace into your home. Uh, we won't even go into, like, Jephthah's off-the-chart foolishness, and uh, he sacrificed his daughter. Uh, Eli and his sons, David's children, they were a mess. Solomon's children were even more of a mess. You know, so, so you know, the Bible, the Bible gave us examples, I think, some of the time so we could we could go, yeah, well, I wasn't quite that bad, you know. <laughs> was I, Jake? Was I that bad? I'm joking. Anyway, you're good. You wouldn't say if I was. But anyway, he's so kind to me, you guys. Really, he, he always is. But, but the Bible also gives some good examples of parenting, you know. Or sometimes the, the good example is implied, like with Sarah, the wife of Abraham, Jochebed, the mother of Moses, you know, you think, okay, yeah, but she put her kid in a basket and floated him down the river, yeah, to save his life. So it's okay. You know, Hannah and and her and you know giving birth to Samuel and uh, Ruth the Moabitess, uh, Mary the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth the mother of John the Baptist. You know, God God gave us lots of good examples in the Bible too. Okay, of of parents. Who, who did a good job, who, who loved their kids and raised them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as we used to say. You know, but, but you know, I, I, th I think sometimes we, uh, as the older ones here, we need to encourage our younger parents. I mean, because I hear from some of our younger parents and they're frustrated with their kid who, who is so difficult some days. Well, you know what? Guess what, guys? We want them to make a lot of mistakes while they're with us, because once they're not with us anymore, we can't do anything about that, all right? They're on their own. They're living their life. But, you know, if we can help them while they're young and guide them while they're young and, you know, it takes a village to raise a kid, you know, we can all help our moms and our dads and, and help them as they're raising their kids. You know, God made children with a natural lack of self-control. Did you understand that? He made them that way. We could all ask him someday, why did you make them that way? But he made them that way, and it's our job to teach them self-control and to teach them how to live, all right? That's our job, not their job, okay? So, so you know, we all, we all can work together. You know, um, when, <laughs> when, when I lived in Oklahoma, I, I've never had this happen here. In Nebraska, I grew up here, but I lived in Oklahoma for 18 years. And and when I, in the springtime and in the fall, when I would open up my front door, I am not making this up, you guys. There would be like cockroaches right there at the door waiting for me to open it. As soon as I open the door, I'm squashing bugs, okay? I'm not making this up. Now, I don't know why that doesn't happen here, but I think down there, you know, it's getting to be fall and it's cold, you know, it's getting cold outside and it's warm in my house and they're, they're lining up. They're ready to come in. You know, the, 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 Bible, says, the Bible says sin is a little bit like a cockroach. Uh, I'm, I, 
you can look it up. It's in, in Genesis. But, but, uh, but, but here's what he's, you know, Cain, you know, uh, Adam and Eve's first two children were Cain and Abel, as far as we know. And, uh, and, and Cain got angry at his brother because God accepted Abel's sacrifice and didn't accept Cain's. And, and here's what God said. He said to Cain, he said, sin is crouching at the door, but you must master it. Now, notice God didn't say he was going to master it for Cain. He said, you got to get control of this. You have to walk in the strength of God that I've given you, because he had or he wouldn't be fair to tell him to. He said, you have to master it. And that's what we're helping our kids do. We're helping them learn how to master life. Amen? Sin's crouching at the door, just like those cockroaches down in Oklahoma. They're crouching at the door, waiting and if you'll give them opportunity, it'll come in. But you know what? As we raise our children, as we encourage our children, uh, you know, we can, we can get them to a place where they're going to make better choices. Amen? You know, I grew up in church. I'm so thankful I grew up in church. I remember uh, I, was, I was elementary school. I don't remember. And uh, my, uh, my friend, my best friend on my street uh, had me. I was over at his house, and his mom and dad had given him a Ouija board for Christmas, and he wanted me to sit down with him, and I'm like, nope, not happening. And you know what? If you raise your kids up to be strong and encourage them to be strong and to stand up, you know what? They can walk away from everything that would hurt them, all right? I wasn't interested in, in, in that. I turned around and walked out of the house, and, and next thing I know, his sister's running me down. She goes, my stupid brother's stupid. Just come back. It's okay. He won't make you do that. Well, he couldn't have made me do that. I was just in elementary school. But you know what? You've got to help your kids learn how to make choices. And, uh, you know, we could talk all day about parenting. We're not going to do that. But, but you know what? We surround our children with faith and love. What if they're messing up? We surround our children with faith and love. All right? I, I, I remember when I was, I, I was young, there was, a, there was a family in my church. Um, their older son, very hard-headed young man. And, uh, I mean, he was a... A kid, though. You understand? I mean, he was very hard-headed, but he was a kid. And his parents at some point disowned him. I'm like, really? 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 You think that's what God did when you acted up? No, it, it isn't. You know, well, why would we do something like that? Well, we get angry. We get frustrated. We don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this kid. You know what I'm saying? But at some point, it's not your job to fix them anymore. It's, it's your job to pray for them and to stand with them and surround them with faith and love and encourage them. You know, because, because I, if, if I, I'm, don't raise your hands, please, okay? If I ask you, you know, how many of your kids, uh, you know, really need a touch from God right now? Well, a lot of you would raise your hands, okay? And you know what? You just keep praying for them and you keep standing with them and surround them with faith and love and, and encourage them. Don't, don't, don't disown them. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> I wasn't going to say any of that, but here I am, right? But, <clears throat> you know, I think, I think the Bible has more to say to parents than it does to kids. That's because we're the ones who can make some choices, and, and we're the ones who need to keep our attitudes right and keep on encouraging our kids, all right? You know, I know, I know several families in our church. You have kids, adult children that aren't walking with the Lord. You know what? 
we're going to keep surrounding them with faith and love. We're going to keep blessing them and encouraging them and loving them. And, and we're going to let God be God. And we're going to let God put people in their pathway. We're going to believe God to do that. And, and we're going to see God turning things around. Psalm 127, you don't have to turn there. I didn't actually write down what verse it is. It may just be verse 1 because, you know, when I copy verses out of Bible Gateway, if it's verse 1, it never says so. It just starts numbering them with 2. I don't know why. But anyway, at least in the translation I use, but Psalm 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Do you understand? God is at work in your family. He is building your house, and he, uh, if you're older, he's built your house, but he hasn't stopped working on it. He's going to continue to do things there. He's going to continue to help. That is what he does, all right? Um, Psalm uh, 127 continues, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. You know, it's a blessing to be a parent. And, you know, we, we sometimes, though, can get frustrated with the choices our kids make. Proverbs 22 says, train up a child in the way they should go. And in the end, they will not depart from it. You know, as a parent as a, of adult children, sometimes you have to stand on that one and go, okay, Lord, you said in the end, they will not depart from it. So, so an admonition to young parents and young moms would be train them up in the way they should go. All right? Train them up what's right. Show them what's right. You know, there's lots of examples in the world today, in the schools today. They're teaching kids things that are not right. But as we train them in the church, as you train them at home, as you encourage them, you know, the Bible says that, that they will not depart from it. So we have to stand on that. And we, as parents, impart things to our children, sometimes uh, more by, uh, in fact, always, more by actions than words. Hello. You know, but, you know, sometimes it's funny. Their appearance, their mannerisms, their habits, their lifestyle, they start to look a whole lot like we do. Do you notice that? When my, uh, my, my Uncle Sam is a big man. He was a farmer. He was a great big guy. And uh, he would... Uh, he would, uh, he would go up to a doorpost and uh, back up to it and scratch his back on the door. And so when their little boy got to be about three, he started scratching his back on the door. It was so cute. <laughs> but th that's not the only sort of thing that, that kids will copy. You understand? They, they, Pastor Tony, you heard him say this recently. He said, when, when he met some of his step-siblings that he didn't know he had, that's a very long story, um, he, they told him, you act just like your dad, which he had never rem remembered meeting. They said, you talk like him, you, your mannerisms are like him. See, we, we've duplicated ourselves on some level, and, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we are blessed, amen? But here's the deal. We're not left without help, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I told you I wasn't going to do Mother's Day, but that was my attempt at trying to address Mother's Day a little bit there. But, but uh, you know, we're not left without help. God has provided help for individuals, for parents, for the church. Amen? That's his thing. Turn over to John chapter 14. We're going to look at what Jesus said. He was getting ready to leave and go back to heaven. 
His disciples were grieving. They were sad. They were, they were like, what are we going to do? What's going to happen when you leave? And uh, I can understand that. You know, if, 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 I, uh, if, if you had young kids at home and you said, yes, I'm going away for a week. You guys are on your own. They'd be like, what are we going to do? They'd think at first maybe that was cool, but then it would take about five minutes for them to realize that was not a good thing. And so the disciples were kind of looking at Jesus this way, uh, and they were like, okay, God, uh, Jesus, what are you going to do? But verse uh, 18 of John chapter 14, here's what Jesus said to them. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. Hallelujah. He has not left us as orphans. I will come to you. Well, what does that mean? That means he lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And he talks to us through the Holy Spirit. He didn't abandon us. And, and some people say to me, yeah, well, he never talks to me. Yeah, he does. You just haven't learned how to listen. So, so that's one of the things we teach here at this church. And all churches should be teaching that. Amen. But you don't need a church to teach you that. God will teach you that if you'll just let him. He'll start talking to you. People are like, no, that sounds crazy. No, it's not crazy. But it's okay if you don't know. It's all right. Just trust me. Uh, verse 19, after a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. How about that for good news? In that day, you will know I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And look at this, and I will disclose myself to him. Isn't that good? You know, he wants to talk to you. Skip down to verse 23. Jesus answered him and said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. Not just he, not just Jesus. We will come to him and make our abode with him. You know, that is God's plan for us. He wants to be with you. You're not dealing with your children if you're a parent on your own. You're not dealing with your husband or wife on your own. You're not dealing with your boss or whoever else is giving you grief in this world on your own. You know, somebody called me a while back. Their neighbor was bothering him. Okay, you're, you're not doing that on your own. He's going to help you. He's going to strengthen you. That's what he does. Amen? You know, uh, if you look back, we could look back. You don't have to turn there, but Genesis chapter 2, uh, <clears throat> the Bible says that God had made creation. He'd made Adam, and, and then it says in verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Hallelujah. Amen. I will make a helper suitable for him, or a companion, but that's not as good of a translation. Helper's a better translation. All right? Helper. God made... Now, now you understand that man helps woman and woman helps man. You understand that, right? I'm not... You know, I don't want any misunderstanding here. But, but, but I think the man needed more help than the woman. Okay? So, gentlemen, bear with me here. All right? And, uh, and the ladies are all nodding their heads secretly without actually doing it. They're like, yeah, I know that's the truth. But, uh, but, but a helper suitable to him, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Amen? That's God's plan. All right? But, but do you understand? It's a help. If you look at your wife, gentlemen, anyway, besides seeing her as a help, you need to readjust your thinking a little bit, okay? All right, yeah, but she does stuff that drives me crazy. Yes, and you probably do things that drive her crazy. It's okay, that's just living, okay? That's just life. But, but her primary uh, 
her, her primary, uh, the way God intended it to be was for her to help you. Well, she doesn't help me in the way I want her to. Well, you're not paying attention then, all right? Or you're not communicating to her. But you know what? You guys can work that one out. That one's not hard, but just trust God that he knew what he was doing. And, and uh, you know, there's a song uh, in, in, the, in the play, Camelot, which is, uh, as some of you have seen if you're old, or I don't know, they probably redone it on Broadway, you know. Experience. What? Experience. Experience, excuse me. <clears throat> if you're experienced in life, you may have seen uh, the movie Camelot or the play Camelot. Uh, you know, it was about King Arthur and Guinevere and Lancelot and all that. Anyway, they've made lots of other... Disney, I think, even made a movie about this stuff. But anyway, but, but there's a line that the king sings in one of those when he's frustrated with Guinevere, his uh, maybe bride or soon-to-be bride, and, and he says, why can't a woman be more like a man? Well, I can think of a thousand reasons how to answer that. But I also understand the frustration a tiny bit. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, you know, sometimes you're like, why do women think so differently than men? Well, because God knew that, that you needed somebody to think differently in your world, and so he provided that. See, a helper suitable or corresponding to him. Do you understand that? It's a good thing. All right, and, and God, uh, turn back to John if you, I think you maybe stayed there. So if, you're in, if you went to Genesis with me, you're going to have to turn back to John, but we're going to go to John 14 this time. Um, John 14 Verse 16. See, we're talking about God being a help and a strength to you today. Ryan asked me what I wanted to give this sermon a title. I looked at him like, I don't know. So I'm in trouble with Ryan. So y'all just pray for him. He's probably somewhere in the back. I don't know. John 14, verse 18. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Do you see that? Do you see God's always giving helpers? That's what he does. This time he's talking about the Holy Spirit, not your wife. Uh, that he may be with you. How long? Isn't that good? We could stop right there. That good right there. That just makes me happy. You know what? You have a helper who's with you, who's in you forever. You know, I can remember one time I, I was going through some stuff. And uh, I, wanted, uh, I wanted Brother Hagen. I was down in Tulsa. I wanted Brother Hagen to lay hands on me. And uh, I found out that he was speaking like, like, like four hours away from Tulsa. So I got in my car and drove over there and got in the prayer line. And I've never, I don't, I'm not a touchy-feely kind of a guy. I don't usually feel a lot. You know, some people, oh, do you feel? I don't feel much. But, uh, but, uh, but. But when he laid hands on me, he put his hand right there. And I physically felt something go in. And you understand your spirit man is not here, right? You understand that? It's not in your physical heart. I felt it go in and down. I was like, okay, that was interesting. <laughs> but, but, but I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Jesus said, I'm going back to heaven, but he's going to give you another helper. Verse, if we skip, go to John 16 again. And when, uh, verse 13, just a couple pages over. And when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, hello, into all truth. 
He will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose, there's that word again, to you what is to come. He will glorify me. He will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All, do you see that word all? All things that the Father has are mine, Jesus said. Therefore, I said, he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Do you understand that means that you have access to all? Do you understand that? So, so if there's something you don't know, James 1 tells us, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Because the Holy Spirit was sent to disclose what Jesus knows, and Jesus said, I know what the Father knows. So all things are at your disposal. All help of all kinds, is, are, are, is, it's available to you. Okay, but why don't I have that all the time? Well, first of all, there's a number, you know, we can say a number of things, but, but Jesus said you have not because you ask not. We can start there. He said ask and you will receive, didn't he? He said ask, you know, keep on asking, knock, you know, all those things. He said, you know, keep, you have to pursue it, okay? You do. It isn't just going to fall on you like a ripe apple might fall off a tree, Okay? You ever had to clean up an apple tree? But nobody picked the apples. Yes, it's a big mess. Anyway, but, but, but that isn't how it works. We have to seek him. Now, you know, he, he will disclose it, but we have to go to him. You know, that the, the word, uh, when Jesus said, I will send another comforter or send another helper, that word in the Greek is paraclete. You don't usually hear me going into the Greek. I don't do that. My wife does that. Pastor Tony does that. That's, that's not my thing usually. But paraclete means this. It means one called alongside to help. This is why they said comforter instead of that big long phrase. But, you know, Jesus said, I'm going to send you one called alongside to help. And that Holy Spirit, when, when he gave his spirit, it was him. It was the Father. And he gave his spirit to us because he was one called alongside to help. And those, that word can be translated comforter, advocate, encourager, strengthener, consoler, enabler, protector, defender, interceder. You get all those. I'm joking. I know I talk way too fast. But, but do you understand that? All of those things, the Holy Spirit is in you to do constantly. He never goes away. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Ever. Never. Not from here. And and." When he said he was giving the Holy Spirit, how long did he say the Holy Spirit was going to be with us? Forever. Okay, so even when we go to heaven, the Holy Spirit's going to continue to be with us. You understand that? So that's really, really good news to know that no matter where you are, you have an advocate, an encourager, a strengthener, a consoler, an enabler, a protector, a defender, and an interceder. Nadia is probably very happy that she has all of those things in her world this week. <laughs> But you know what? You should be just as happy as her, that you have all that walking with you everywhere you go. We read this verse. I think I, I probably uh, read this just about every time I minister. But, but 2 Chronicles, uh, which we don't go to very often, 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You know, he's looking to strongly support you. So ask him to. So look to him when you need help. Look to him when you need strength. 
you know, in, in Zechariah, you can write this down, but don't go there. Zechariah 4, 6, uh, the, the, the Bible says this. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, who I believe was a priest. He said, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You know, you may not be strong physically, but that doesn't matter. You may not have a lot of might. You may not, you know, have Alex Shard's wrestling ability. Uh, but or 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 Mike Pastor Mike's wrestling ability, but you know it isn't by might, it isn't by power, it's by the Spirit of God that we are strong and that we overcome. It has nothing to do with physical strength. Now, physical strength is a great thing. The Bible says there's some value in that, but but when it comes to Prayer warriors, uh, it's by the Spirit. It isn't how physically strong you are or how many times you worked out that week. Turn over to, uh, turn over to Psalm 27. I memorized this when I was just a little kid. I won't quote it to you. I could. I never forgot it. But I want you to turn there. I want you to see it with your eyes. Psalm 27. It's a really good one. There's lots of really good psalms, though. Anybody else have to memorize psalms when they were kids? Anybody besides me? Not very many of you. Wow. I've talked to Teresa. Get her doing this. Verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came upon me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. You know, we can be confident that he's with us, that he's helping us, that he's guiding us, that he's protecting us, that he's advocating for us all the time. But, you know, sometimes we don't look to him. We're just trying to live life, just carry on and do our thing. And we don't look to him like we need to and should. You know, uh, Ephesians 6, we're very familiar with that. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Do you understand? He isn't telling you to be strong on yourself. He doesn't say that very often. He actually said that to Gideon. He goes, go in the strength I've already given you and go, just take care of it. Trying to tell him to go to war. He's probably not going to do that with you. But you know what? No matter what, uh, Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord. Amen? Turn over to... um, Turn over to Isaiah 41. I'm going to read another verse out of Ephesians. If you want to write this down, you could. It's Ephesians 3.30 uh, um, or 20. Um, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Is that good? love that. You know, he's able, according to the power that is in you and working in you, he's able to do far more than you could ever ask or think. You know, and, and I think sometimes we get the idea that God doesn't want us to ask, that he's somehow bothered and we're annoying him by asking so much. You know, I, I, I don't think it bothers him when he said he was available to do it. Do you understand that? You know, if, if I... If I told Leanne that uh, she wanted to go shopping or something, and, and I said, well, I'm available to go with you if you want me to, uh, I'm not going to be irritated when she comes and says, hey, uh, you, you ready to go shopping? Does that make sense? Why would I be irritated? I already told her I'd be willing to go. I'm already fine. 
we're good. But see, God told you, he said, ask and you shall receive, didn't he? Didn't he? So, so if we're supposed to ask, I mean, and if you need another scripture along that line, you know, go to Psalm 50 and read that. You can write that in your notes too. But uh, Isaiah 41, uh, again, this is a familiar passage. Pastor Tony has read this recently, but I'm going to just read the whole thing. And we're going to start with, with verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant, and he's talking about you. The Bible says that we as Christians, New Testament Christians, are descendants of Abraham and the true Israel. And we're not going to teach on that today. But verse 9, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth. Do you ever feel like God called you from the ends of the earth? That, you know, he found you somewhere and you were, oh, Lord, I was lost. How did he ever find me? But from the ends of the earth and from its remotest parts. And he said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. Those who contend with you will be as nothing and will perish. You will seek those who quarrel with you, but you will not find them. Those who war with you will be as nothing and non-existent. For I am the Lord, your God, who upholds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. You see that? See, that's God declaring to you his covenant, declaring to you that he's standing with you, that he's going to help you. Yeah, but God, I'm going through a lot right now. Right, look to him. Be strong in him. Hang on to him. Don't let go of him. Amen? Amen. You know, and in, in, you don't have to necessarily turn here, but you can. Isaiah 50, verse 7. Is, Isaiah 50 is a prophetic psalm about, or a prophetic uh, a word that God gave Isaiah about Jesus himself. But, but verse 7, I, I just think this is so good. And, and, and so uh, it says... The Lord God helps me. See, even Jesus looked to God for help. Didn't he? He went off and prayed, didn't he? For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be ashamed. You know, I, I like that he set his face like flint. Well, what's flint? Flint is a stone. It's a very, very, very hard rock. In fact, in pre-metal days, they made knives out of flint because it was so hard and you could get it that thin and sharpen it and it would be that sharp that it would cut, you know, it would cut, uh, you know, they used it like, you know, for cutting up meat and things like that. I mean, I looked this up. I thought it was really cool. But anyway, you know, so, so flint is a very hard rock. It was like the hardest rock that they knew about. And, and about Jesus, it says Jesus set his face like flint. Well, what does that mean? That meant that as he was going through, uh, it's just like what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, as he was going through his suffering, as he was being beat and uh, he was beaten and he was whipped and he was, they spit on him and they pulled his hair out and they did all sorts of things. And, and, um, we, we know that Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured. All right? The joy set before him was you and me. 
and, and he saw what we would be able to do because he took our sins. He took our sickness. He took our poverty on the cross. He saw what that would do, and he set his face like flint, like a hard rock to keep moving in that direction. The Bible tells us he could have called angels to come and rescue him and pull him out of it, but he didn't do that because for the joy set before him, he looked to God for strength, he looked to God for help, and he set his face. He determined, this is the direction I'm going, and this is where I'm at. You know, I, I think that uh, if, if we would learn, and if we could teach our children and our young people to set their face like flint, to get on course and head in that direction and go in that direction and not turn aside and not turn away, you know what? We'd all live better. You know, we wouldn't make as many mistakes as we make because we've got it, we've, we're focused, and we're headed in that direction, and no matter what, I'm not changing. You know, I, years, years ago now, I, I had a lady come to me. She goes, I'm, I'm, we're having marriage problems. I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on? And, and she didn't tell me what I expected to hear. She goes, my husband won't change. I'm like, explain, explain what you mean. Well, I knew her husband, so, you know, I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? She goes, well, there's some things he needs to change, and he's so slow at changing that I just can't stay married to him. I'm like, okay, let's back up. When you met your husband, was he a stable guy? Oh, yeah, he's always been really, really stable. He's always been really, really, really stable and really calm. I'm like, uh-huh. And, and you like that about him? Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, so your husband is really stable, which means he doesn't just change with every wind and flip-flop around and change his mind constantly. Yeah, and that's what you liked about him. Uh-huh, and that's right now what you don't like about him. Uh-huh. <laughs> she goes, that doesn't really make sense, does it? I'm like, mm. yes, it does. It makes sense, but, but you know what? You got to pray for him, not leave him, okay? You know, he, he'll change. Is he changing? Well, yeah, but slow. Yes, yes, he's going to change slow. That's okay. You really don't want him flip-flopping. Trust me, just let him change slow and just stand with him, all right? And let the Lord give you grace and him grace, and you'll be okay, people. Anyway, <laughs> you got to laugh. I, I want to read you out of the book of Ruth. That sounds like Mother's Day, doesn't it? See? There. Good job, Dave. Um, you know, Naomi, uh, Naomi uh, was married and had two sons, and, and they were Israelites, and there was a famine in Israel. And so Naomi and her husband and, and her two sons went to Moab, which is like the capital of wickedness in the Middle East at the time. And that, that Moab corresponds to current-day Jordan. Uh, so it's a little ways away, but not not like eternally away from Israel. It's a ways away. And uh, they went over there because there wasn't a famine there. And they lived there a long time. Um, both the boys got married to Moabite women, probably not wisdom there, but they did. And, and then in the course of time, Naomi's husband died, and then her two sons died. And now she has two daughters-in-law. One of them's Ruth, a book in the Bible named after her. And, uh, and, and when 
Naomi had gotten word that, that there was no longer a famine in Israel. And, and so she was going to go back. And she said to her daughters-in-law, because they were still with her, she said, look, I, I don't have any more sons for you to marry. I don't know anybody back home that you could marry. And uh, you need to just go on back to your homes, go on back to your gods, go on back to your life here in Moab. You don't know anything else. I'm going back to Israel. You don't know anybody there. You don't know any life there. You don't have any prospects there. There's nothing going on for you there. You might as well just stay here. And, and the, the one uh, daughter-in-law um, decided she would stay. But, but Ruth... I, I love this so much. Ruth, in, and it's in uh, Ruth chapter 1, verse uh, 16. It said, but Ruth said, do not, urge, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Do you see she set her face like flint? Do you see that? She like... You ain't, you're not pushing me away, and, and I'm doing what I know. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. <laughs> and, and then it said, and when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Because there was no more you could say at this point. Do you understand? She was determined. She had set her face, and she was going in the right direction. She had found the God that was the true God. She had found family that was true family, even if it was now just her only, only her mother-in-law. And she was going to walk away from everything she knew, all the people she knew, all the places she knew, and, and go with God. All right? You know what? If we could all do that, if we could all just follow God, I love that. You know, I, I like the word resolute. That's what, that's what Ruth was, resolute. And, you know, as, as we grow in God, and, and we'll get to maybe we'll get to talking about the fruit of the Spirit here in a second. But as we grow in the fruit of the, in the, fruit of the Spirit, we become more and more resolute about the things of God and about following God. You know, there, there's a verse in Proverbs. Here's another Mother's Day verse, okay? Uh, Proverbs 14.1 says, The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. Hello. We're not talking about a physical house here. We're talking about your, uh, your family. You know, a wise woman builds her house. She's going to keep encouraging that. She's going to stand up. No matter, you know, if somebody came against our family, my wife, uh, <clears throat> you don't want to mess with her. Uh, she's not going to just back off, you know. I mean, I know, uh, Miss Elisa, you would not back off if somebody came against your family. You're resolute about protecting your family. And, and you know what? I know a lot of you, you would do the exact same thing because you're not going to back down from what's right and what's good and the direction you're going. You're not going to back down. Um, you know, we could say Ruth was resolute. We could say she was focused. We could say she was stubborn. Uh, we could say she was goal-oriented. We could say all sorts of things, okay? But, but you know, uh, stubborn isn't always a bad thing. You know, if you can get a stubborn person pointed in the right direction, you know what? You know, if you've got a kid who's hard-headed, if you can get them pointed in the right direction, it's good. They're stubborn going in the right way, okay? That's all right. That's okay. God will work with them then, Okay. But, but you know what? There, there's actually strength in 
being resolute and and if we can say stubborn, I, we'll we'll skip that. But there's 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 strength in that. And you know, if you start looking at at some of the things that God will build into you, there's strength in that. There's strength in loyalty. Think about that. You're resolute. I am loyal. There's strength in patience. See, sometimes we think, well, a patient person just looks like a doormat. No, you don't. No, 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 no. That's why people think, well, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Well, some people think, well, the meek are just weak. No, (laughs) no. No, it takes a great deal more strength to be meek than it does to just be loud and opinionated. All right, and I'm not saying it's always wrong to be loud, and it's not always wrong to have an opinion. It, but but there's there's strength in patience. There's strength in meekness. There's strength in faithfulness. Think about that. There's strength in peace. There's strength in self-control. Amen. Um, you know, like it or not, the challenges of life to c- come to all of us, but God is right there. He's right there. You know, when David messed up with Bathsheba, he prayed. Psalm 51 is the prayer that David prayed or the psalm that he, that he wrote after that happened, after he made those choices. And, and he said this. He said in verse 10 of Psalm 51, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I, I love that so much. You know, when, when we mess up, you know, and, and we're feeling all bad and, and whatever, you know, God, renew a steadfast spirit in me. Renew that strength. Help me to, you know, set my face like flint again and to and move forward, okay? Well, we're winding down here, folks. Um, you know, I, I think that... that I will close with this. You know, life, life can be a little messy sometimes. Have you noticed that? And, uh, and, and God is with us to strengthen us, to help us, to walk with us, to never leave us. He's always right there. But he realizes how messy things can get and how complicated life can feel sometimes. But in, in Lamentations, um, you can turn there if you want, but I'm gonna, actually don't bother because I'm going to read out of the Message Bible. So unless you have one of those, you know, don't, don't worry about it. Just, just, I, I don't usually quote out of the Message. It's a paraphrase, but they really hit it really good. It sounds a lot like life and, and how we walk things out. But, but you know, as, as, we, as we move forward in God, sometimes we can get frustrated because it's like, God, I don't feel like everything's working the way it should. Well, you know what? You know, I, I, my wife and I have talked about this. You know, sometimes things just don't feel balanced. Well, you, you know, get over it. You're probably never going to feel balanced, all right? You know, life doesn't balance, okay? I don't see any scripture where, you know, where Jesus said, and your life will feel balanced if you're walking with me. There is no scripture that says that, okay? You know, uh, we, we, don't, we don't get that in life much. But, you know, but that doesn't mean we don't get the things that God promised, love and joy and peace and patience. Those things we can have, all right? So in the midst of life feeling all topsy, tipsy, tur- whatever the phrase is, you know, turvy, what is it? Topsy-turvy? There we go. In the midst of that, we can walk in love and joy and peace and patience and long-suffering and gentleness, self-control, which another word for that self-control is strength, by the way. We're talking about God giving you strength today. Well, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to build strength into you. 
trying to get you to set your face like flint and move forward, amen? In the Message Bible, in Lamentations chapter 3, starting with verse 9. I'll never forget the trouble. Here's, you guys, I'll, let me back up. Jeremiah wrote this. You understand Jeremiah had to, he was prophesying in the days when Jerusalem was about to get conquered. And, and he had to watch Jerusalem get conquered. Broke his heart. Um, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet because it broke his heart to see the people. They refused to turn. They were stubborn in a bad way. They were pointed in the wrong direction. And they would not turn no matter what he said, no matter how much he prophesied, no matter how much he encouraged. He couldn't get very many people to turn with him. And so, so he was frustrated and he was discouraged. And, and so... Uh, starting with verse 9 again. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter uh, lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how I remember that feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one thing I remember, and remembering I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful, merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning, how great is your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. Isn't that good? I love that.